understand the next time you play your family, that to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome back, Shyhards, to episode 31 of Meet Us at Molly's. Tonight, we are going to cover Chicago Med season three, episode six, entitled The Ties That Bind. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Gina. I'm joined by Brina. Hello, everybody. And Ashley. Hi. So as always, we like to start with the news before we jump into the episode. And there was quite a bit this week. Goodness. Um... TCAs are going on right now in LA and if you don't know what TCAs are the what it stands for escapes me right now however TCAs Television Critics Association Bingo what they said (laughs) (laughs) but it's pretty much like TV Christmas if you have never read Twitter during the TCAs Basically, the hashtag is TCA18, and all of our favorite TV bloggers, TV writers, they're basically live-tweeting everything they see throughout the day. It's so great, because they preview all the new shows, all the existing shows. It's TV Christmas. So, Tori and Jesse Soffer from PD, um, they were both present at TCAs this week for, I think, like a day, right? Just like Yeah, Wednesday. just a day. But while they were there, they did a ton of media. So, we have about, like, four or five different interviews with Tori. And pretty much all of them talked about the same thing except for Us Weekly, but we'll get to Us Weekly in a second. Ashley, can you kind of sum up the previous three interviews for us? She mostly talked about what's coming up and like man status stuff. And then in one interview, she said there's an episode coming up for Natalie where she takes on a really strong stance in something, and it's episode 14, and it's one of Tori's favorites from all three seasons. Doesn't she take a strong stance, like, every week? This must be, like, tenfold, then. Yeah. I'm not complaining. I mean, I'm not, but that'll be interesting. Hmm. You also mentioned that she talked about One Tree Hill a little bit, right? Yeah, and like every interview, they asked her about Nanny Carrie and how she's crazy and what it's like being playing somebody new now. By the way, if you haven't heard the awesome news, One Tree Hill is going to be available on Hulu starting February 1st. Thank you, Bless Hulu. Bless you. Bless you. The hero we deserve. We love you very much. But the other bit of interesting news was that there was an interview with Us Weekly, and you've probably heard in the past couple of weeks that somebody is rumored to be leaving Chicago Med in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, we've been playing the speculation game, but we got a little bit more from Tori on this one. Bryna, why don't you take us through this? Yeah, so Tori just kind of talks about this change that's coming um and quote that she says she's like anybody that leaves you can feel they're absent we actually have a member that's leaving us this year i can't say who yet but you will find out we have felt the weight of her absence so it's a woman it is a woman so theories who do you guys think it is good one yep yeah i'm gonna go with that too just because you know it's clearly not tori since she's giving the interview yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I don't see it being April just because. I mean, April's in this 
relationship and I don't see it being April like that would just seem very out of character and very fast if all of a sudden April's like oh I'm leaving bye um clearly this just came out after this episode aired I mean this came out like what today or yesterday today being today, right? Thursday yes. Thursday today um so it can't be the fact that Micaiah Cox left because this came out after that um so it can't be Robin um I might or may or may not have an interview coming out with Marlene at some point, probably early next week. And just from what she told me in that, I don't see it being Maggie. Um, and then who else? That's ever. Oh, and then Sarah. I don't think it's Sarah because I just don't think it's Sarah. I think it's Goodwin. Yeah, I, <clears throat> Goodwin sounds about right. And just if April were to leave, it would devastate Dr. Choi. He would be so upset. It would just seem so out of left because I mean, didn't they say in whatever when the article that we read last on our last episode of Med, didn't they say that it's like soon, like the next couple of episodes? I think so. So, like, I just feel like that would be like they just got together and they just went public and then jokes April. I just don't see it. And plus, this whole season, Goodwin has been threatened with her job over the budget crisis. Yeah, I just I think it makes most sense with Goodwin's storyline. Right. I could seeing it see well, I could see it being Reese, maybe. But maybe. Yeah, just speculation. I don't know. Either way, it's gonna suck. It is like gonna either suck. whoever leaves is gonna su- it's gonna suck. Yeah. It's a bummer. So yeah, um send us your thoughts on who you think might be the female character leaving Med. We would like to hear it. And I mean we all wish it was Becker. <laughs> we all wish it was Becker, but it's not. So, yeah, that's that. What if it is? It's not. She's still in Chicago. I I know it's not, but like that'd be a great twist. Brenna Tori said it's a fan favorite. She's <laughs> oh true. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry, Norma. You're great. Your character's just not. Your character sucks. Yes, but yeah. So. That's about all the news we've got. As always, if you see anything, articles, news, things, any sort of thing you see that we may not have gotten wind of, please tweet it to us at Made Us at Molly's. Again, three of us against the whole internet, we're bound to miss something. So yeah, you can always tweet us news. Without further ado, I think we shall jump into the episode. What do you think? I say let's do it. All right. So lots of moving parts in this episode. Lots. As always, we break it down by storyline. It'll all sort of make sense in the end, but we're going to start off with Will. So something I liked about this episode this week, the couples were not working together. Thank God. Yeah. And so, you know, we would have one part of a couple over in one corner, the other part of the couple over in the other corner. Somebody else would be in a different part of the hospital. So some of these are kind of short and sweet, but other ones not so much. So we're just going to kind of run through Will stuff real fast. So Will and Nat walk into the hospital in a deep discussion about basketball, talking about LeBron and the Bulls and just being adorable. It made me very happy. Yeah, you love your basketball, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they like came out talking about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, and I was like, this is like someone's reading my internal monologue right now. This is just great. Nat says to him at one point, Nat's like, you're a great doctor, but like you're bad with sports or something like that. Something along those lines. But the whole adorable little sequence just ends with Will being like, give me a kiss. And we're all just like, man's dead. Hmm." Like, (laughs) so cute they are. So basically, 
Will tends to the psychiatric patient that comes in, just that like he kind of handles the intake. But then his actual patient is a woman who comes in with shortness of breath. And so they're willing her in. And the first thing Will says is like, is there any like, any idea what might have caused this? Like, does Will not know that he's the doctor? I mean, yes, but also, I mean, I just, you know, it's really much more about like, what did you do today? So I can get a better idea of why this might have happened but yes it will definitely has times where it's like are you are you sure you're actually the doctor will like yeah just and i felt bad saying that but for real like will like how did you get into medical school school for real though we want to know that like we we have all the questions but that's another discussion for another time so we find out that this woman just went through her third round of in vitro fertilization, but it's too early to tell if she's pregnant. So it turns out later on, they do more tests. It turns out she is pregnant, but the IVF treatments have led to a condition called OHSS. It's ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Yes, I said it right. Good job, self. <laughs> Basically, the whole thing is that her blood has thickened and it's made her very prone to clots. So Will gets a consult from Connor and Connor's all too eager to get his mind off work, but we will get there because there or his mind off Robin because we'll get there. It's a doozy. So at first the clot's really small. He's kind of hoping that a change of blood thinner will help. Well, spoiler alert, it doesn't. Um, Connor gets paged. She can't breathe. The clot's getting bigger. So surgery is the only way to go. So in surgery, her pressure drops. They have to open her up, but she actually survives and this is so funny at this point because there were two conversations that I had pretty much during this like sequence of scenes. So I was watching with my mother and before Connor got involved, she was like, well, Will's her doctor. So we know she's going to die. <laughs> and I was like, mom, like that's kind of harsh. And then Connor got in. I was like, no, 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 she's good. Cause like Connor's on the case. And then I saw a tweet, and I can't remember who it was from, but it was pretty much the same thing. It was like, oh, the writers are throwing us a twist. Connor's here, so will she live? Will she die? What's going to happen? <laughs> and I feel so bad saying that every time Will takes on a patient, but, like, it just kind of yeah. is what it is. It's just Will's signature move. Like, does the patient live or does he die? He's 007. Oh, my God. It, you know what I also think about? I think about the Hamilton line, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Are you leaving Will Halston to tell your story? Because if you are, yikes, I mean. <laughs> we love him, for know. the record. We love him. But like. Oh, yes. Yeah. His quirks and all. Yeah. Like, we love him like he's that friend that you always give crap because you love them so much. Like, he's that friend you always tease just because, like. You just do. Yeah. We're horrible. <laughs> and we love Nick Gelfus, too. We really we do. Love Nick Gelfus. We love Nick Gelfus. We cannot wait to hang out with him at OCE. But we will talk more yes. about that later. Yes. Um, yeah. So Connor basically saves the day and he gives the update on the patient. She's going to be fine. The pregnancy wasn't affected. He walks out and he talks to Will for a moment and he just kind of mentions, you know, what we've been through or what they've been through today makes other problems seem small and then will just adds like you know sometimes it all works out in the end and this is getting further into what he's dealing with what connor's dealing with which we're going to get to in a minute so um brina do you want to take us through sarah and dr Choi, or do you want to take us through connor and robin 
Um, oh, both of them are doozies. Um, let's, I can do Sarah. You want to do um, Sarah? Okay. Yeah, let's do Sarah. So we're kind of talking about like Sarah, Dr. Choi. So Sarah pulls up to the hospital and she's got the pepper spray in her, like, just sitting there. And she's like debating like internally whether she's going to take it or not. Ultimately, she just decides to put the pepper spray in her jacket pocket. Um, so clearly we're off to a great start. This is like the very beginning of the episode. Um, so Choi arrives, when Choi arrives to the hospital, he runs into Will. And if you guys remember in last week's episode, at the very end, Choi and April became public. Sex Toy is now public. Um, and so Will asks him how long he's been keeping the April thing a thing, like a secret. And Choi's like, oh, six months. Yeah, that, that's right. Six months, like, because of the time jump. So, like, yes, it hasn't been that long, but the time jump happened. And that's, I guess, like, what was that? Two months? Three months? Something like that. But yeah, when he said six months, I was like, wait, wait, that can't be right. But then someone on Twitter pointed out to me because of the time jump, it should be about right because. But that means we've gone through three months in, like, four episodes. No, I don't think so, because remember, they kissed in the season finale, and that was May, right? Right. So, the show came back in November? But you, not, that doesn't, I mean. No, no, I have a point, I promise, I have a point. Okay, okay, yes, it came back in November. (laughs) Okay, and so Natalie had just come back from her three-month sabbatical. Right. So if we're in real time, that means Natalie took her sabbatical in August, and they'd been together since May. But that doesn't work, because the episode picks up the night of the finale. And then jumps forward. Yeah. So it technically, if you're going by, like, real-life time, the episode that aired in November picks up in May. It doesn't work in real-life time. You just kind of have to go that, like... From like the most of the pi- or most of the first episode of the season three takes place three months after the finale, so it'd really be like July. So really, we've gone through like three or four months in just like four episodes, which is a lot. So did Nat just like dance with Will and then drop everything and leave the next day? Yes. What? Unless they, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying your theory can't be right but then other timelines are messed up but yes that is my thought and that is why i wanted more clarification about what happened in the first episode of season three of med because i needed more stuff about what happened like in the aftermath like how did natalie just all of a sudden decide she's gonna go on a sabbatical why did she go on a sabbatical about will like there was just so many questions she has one dance with him and she has to leave town for three months to figure shit out yeah that's what I'm saying. It does that something. It just is weird. It's weird. And I love me some Manstead this season. They are fantastic and probably one of my favorite chips. But that doesn't seem healthy. But I'm nobody to no. judge. They're happy, and that's what matters. Yes, I'm just saying the timeline for this whole thing. Since Will and Choi brought it up, six months. It's right, but it also seems very fast. Or stop. Something, you know what I'm, you, you, we get what I'm trying to say. I do, here. I do, I do, I do. Anyway, 
So then Will calls Psych on to consult on a teenage boy that's jerking around that comes into the ED and is jerking around and insisting that no one can touch him. So he turns this patient over he caught this patient, but then he turns him over to Sarah and um Dr. Charles and Choi ultimately. Um so Sarah comes in and she won't move from the door. She's just like sitting in the door frame and she is clearly like frightened. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to get close because she's just so afraid of being in the ED and of being attacked again. Um, but Dr. Charles is with her and he, you know, goes and talks to the patient, tries to calm him down um, and ends up, give, they end up giving him a sedative and run some tests and whatever. So then Dr. Charles asks if she's okay, and Sarah says, like, yes, I'm okay. And then Dr. Charles is like, oh, well, you can run point on this. What? Dude. Dude. You clearly see that she's not okay because, duh, you're a psychologist. But how, why would, why would you put her in charge of this patient? Exactly. And, like, if you notice when he comes in, like, yeah, he calls psych, whatever. But, like, Will and Dr. Charles are, you know, full steam ahead treating him but i'm like hello you may want to turn around and notice your doctor who won't come in the room right it's just that's a problem i was it was yeah that was like problem number one i had with all of this um so but sarah does her i mean she's a doctor she's gonna do her job so she goes and visits with the boy whose name is arlo and he's adamant about not being touched like he he says he's poisoned with something, and so he's afraid that by someone touching him that they're going to get poisoned too. Um, but Sarah, you know, she knows how to do, deal with this, so she's like, okay, I won't touch you, I promise. Um, so, and he says his arms hurt because he, when he came in, he was put in restraints. So Sarah suggests removing them. Um, and finally, I mean, Arlo flinched a couple times, but Sarah you know, ultimately was able to remove them. I mean, she kind of reached for the pepper spray a couple of times, but she and Doris, her favorite nurse, eye rolls, um, got the job done. Um, I felt so bad for Sarah. Like, I just felt so bad for her because, I mean, yeah, she sucks it up and she gets the job done like a pro, but, like, that's anxiety is being able to hide it so well. Yeah. When on the inside, it feels like there's, like, a volcano erupting. Like, I just, I felt so bad for her because I totally understood the hell she was going through internally. Yeah. Um, but then, so, meanwhile, Dr. Choi is seeing a patient who came in because he cut himself. Um, but he's also insisting that he has other um, symptoms. So, Choi orders some tests. The tests come back clean, and the patient's not happy. Um and he's like, you know, you, and Choi's like, oh, I'm just going to discharge you. And the patient's like, no, all the other doctors I've seen have just discharged me. You're just throwing me under the bus like they are. So Choi, what does Choi do? He orders a neuro consult. Dr. Abrams is the neuro consult, um, which is the doctor we were talking about last week that we couldn't remember his name. That's his name, Dr. Abrams. Um, the sarcastic dude who's great. Dude, um, he is such a dick, but he's so funny. His liners are funny. Like, his li- his yeah. one-liners are really funny. Um, I'm try- He had a really good one, and I can't, like, in this scene, and I can't remember for the life of me what it is. Oh, yeah, I can't. But he's just so sarcastic. He was like, this is hardly worth a consult. And, like, 
any other character, I'd be like, why are you such an asshole? But him, I was like, that's so funny. <laughs> um, but anyway, Dr. Abrams comes and looks at this guy. He can't find anything wrong. Um, so Dr. Choi asks Sarah for a consult for this patient. Um, and so the minute she introduces herself to him as a psychiatrist, the patient goes, it clearly becomes offended and that the doctors still think he's crazy. Um, so this patient corners her in the back of the exam room. She gets uncomfortable. And what does she do? She pepper sprays the patient. Okay. This is the deal with this. So when I read about this in the episode description, they made it sound like it was going to be totally unwarranted. Like she was going to perceive a threat where there clearly was not a threat to be had. However, I see where she was terrified in the scene. He cornered her into the back of the room. Yeah. No, I mean, she should have never pepper sprayed a patient. That's just, like, her – it's just kind of the end result of, like, her problem getting un- gone unnoticed for so long and then not being handled correctly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in this situation and the way it was played out, I mean, I would – you know, I probably – I don't know if I would have pepper sprayed him, but I would have punched him or something. Like, I would have reacted in some way like she did. She just had pepper spray on her. And, like, okay – Choi has been with this guy all day, right? He knows that the guy is, like, super temperamental, super irritable. And irritable, yeah. Why are you going to leave Sarah in the room alone with him? Yeah, and I mean, I guess that does, you know, I don't know what's protocol, and especially who knows what's protocol in Chicago Med, um, but I don't know what the protocol is for, like, when you call a consult. Like, does the actual, like, patient's doctor have to be there? Um, you would think that way it would make sense just because, um, just because, like, the attending whose case it is would want to know what's going on, um, and what this person who was called in to do a consult thinks, but I don't know. Who knows what's protocol in Chicago Med? It's never protocol. It's just suggested. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Because then Will had Connor consult on his case, and- they met the patient together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, you would think that the two doctors would want to be in the same room at the same time so that whoever called for the consult can see what the other person thinks. But who knows? And, like, I under- I kind of understood last week how Connor was not with Noah to notify them of the kid's death. But I understand this one less so. Like... You've got a female doctor with a highly irritable male patient, and you're just going to leave her alone in there? See, I mean, I almost understand it the opposite. Like, I almost understand last week's less so than this week's. Um, But I still don't understand either one of them. But These poor rookie doctors, man. They're just getting hung out to dry. For real. I know. Um, So, obviously... Sarah has to go see Goodwin. She has to go face up to what she did. Um, So in Goodwin's office, like Goodwin and Stoll and some other like business dude are flipping shit. It's lawyer dude. It's lawyer dude whose name we can never remember. Does he have a name? He does. And I actually know it this time, but I kind of want to keep the illusion of like, we don't know his name going. Okay. <laughs> Lawyer dude whose name we don't know is also there. <laughs> Even though we do and know it, but we're just not going to tell. 
I don't know what Gina doesn't. Uh, Gina does. Um, <laughs> so Sarah Goodwin suspends Sarah until further notice. Um, but turns out there's actually a silver lining to this whole thing because so when the patient fell, he like hit his head. He didn't hit his head, but he fell and kind of hit his stomach. Whatever. So Goodwin's like run all the tests you can. So that includes a pan scan, and so Choi comes back in. Um, and says, you know, tells Goodwin that the pan scan, you know, he's clear for concussion. He didn't have any concussion, but the pan scan shows that he has an enlarged spleen and that I don't know the whole science behind it, but whatever with the enzymes and whatever, it's, that's what's causing his like horrible pain that he's talking about. There actually was a physical reason why it wasn't that he was mental. So turns out something's wrong with him after all. I love how all of this horrible stuff is going now with Sarah. But Dr. Choi is like, it's cool because she saved his life. Like, if she hadn't gone nuts and pepper sprayed him, we would have never found this. Yeah, I love when those kind of things happen. Like, it's like, that mm, doesn't still excuse what the person did. But yeah, that's true. But yes. Dr. Choi, always looking out for Sarah and finding the silver lining. You remember what, in like season one when she drilled holes in the guy's skull? And it was Goodwin or somebody else who was like, what the fuck are you doing? She's a med student. And Choi was like, no, it's cool. Like, I handled it. Totally going to take the fall for this. So cash. So cash. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the episode ends and Dr. Charles is not seen really before, you know, not seen in, he's not consulted with Goodwin and lawyer dude and stole. He doesn't, we don't see anything else like after Sarah Pepper sprays the patient, nothing like that. But at the end of the episode, Dr. Charles arrives at her place, um, knocks on the door, Noah answers, um, cause he had clearly been visiting with her and seeing her and whatever. And Noah leaves. And then, um, Dr. Charles comes in, he sits with her and basically lets her cry on his shoulder. And that's kind of the end of the episode. Um, so weird. But, we threw out this question on Twitter, kind of, think, and we're going to talk about it now, but what, should Dr. Charles have noticed Sarah's anxiety sooner? And I think we all agree that hell yes. Yeah. And a lot of people on Twitter responded to us. Um, some people said he did, um, or, and that he should. Um, Kara said, you know, he just didn't do anything. Like, he noticed it, but he just didn't do anything. Which is so frustrating to me. Like, you're a psychiatrist. You're the one who has to get in there and be like, listen, this is happening. This is what I'm seeing. I know it's not what you want to hear or what you want to do, but you need to get help and fix this. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I agree that maybe, you know, it's clear that he noticed it. I just, I, I still don't understand why he didn't do anything about it. Especially, like you said, like, he's a psychologist. Like, this is what he deals with all the time. Um, especially coming off the scene before this, which we're going to get into in a little bit more detail, but you know, Robin leaves and he's talking to Connor and his phone blows up. And so it's just like, he goes from like his real daughter to like his surrogate daughter. I don't know. It was just like, I get that he wanted to be there for her, but it was just, it struck me weird. Cause I was like, now you're going to be there when you really needed to be there in all of the preceding episodes up to this. Yeah. It just, and I think, too, just even from a medical standpoint, like, if he if he actually noticed that Sarah was dealing with this and had all these issues, like, for his patient's sake, he should have said something to her and been like, hey, 
Like, it's okay that you have this problem, but you really need to get it addressed before you can come back to work because we don't need you to possibly endanger patients' lives. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see the fallout from this like we did with the Kellogg case because, like, this is kind of what Dr. Charles does. Like, if he misses something in subsequent cases or subsequent issues, he tries to, like, overcompensate for it. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, too, especially because Sarah is the... Because Sarah is suspended, um, it'll be interesting to see how that's dealt with and if he goes and visits her again, um, if Noah goes and visits her again. I'm glad, even though we didn't see, like, Noah learning about the whole pepper spray situation, I'm glad we did see that someone besides Dr. Charles was there for her and did go sit with her and did, you know, like, was her friend. Right. Right. Um, that was very necessary. Um then we also kind of something we wanted to touch on was we noticed a lot of people on Twitter kind of referring to her as crazy and Sarah's actions are not crazy you know PTSD and anxiety and other forms of mental illness do not mean that someone's crazy and I I'm very aware now of my use of the word crazy um, not just even re- in regards to people, but just in regards to saying like, oh man, like that shit's crazy. Because I had a professor in college who, I mean, if we started to use the word crazy, she'd like, uh, she would stop us in the middle of what we were saying and be like, you need to think about that word choice and then like get us to pick another word. Um, but yeah, I, she is not crazy. I, I kind of don't really like that word anymore. She needed help like she had something actually wrong with her like whether we don't know exactly what she'd be diagnosed with but whether it was the PTSD from the shooting whether it's just anxiety about what happened after the attack whether it's some combination of the of it um I mean she has some kind of mental illness and you know that's okay but it's not okay when it goes unnoticed and goes unaddressed right it, it kind of bugged me when I saw, like, multiple people referring to her as crazy because she went through a trauma. She saw her, like, you know, she saw her mentor get shot by a patient that she was trying to help. Right. You know, it just, the whole, just, yeah, the whole mental illness thing, you know, she's got a little bit of PTSD from that and that's okay. Shit happens, but... Right. It was really disheartening to see a lot of people refer to her as crazy. And I know I, I, I know a couple of minutes ago I just referred to her as like going nuts. Probably a bad word choice. Absolutely a bad word choice. But yeah, anxiety doesn't But you crazy. recognize that. Yeah, I recognize that. I mean, you know, if we're going to talk, yeah, I mean, I struggle with depression. Oh, my God. Earth shattering revelation. But yeah. And I mean, I'll say I'm crazy, but I say it as a defense mechanism. So it's kind of like in Mean Girls where it's like, that's only okay when I say it. So, you know, but I mean, I'll say it about myself, but it's a defense mechanism. But like, I would never call another person crazy. Right. And I think obviously in the world of Twitter, I mean, you only have certain character or like a certain amount of characters, but they expanded to, I don't even know how many, 240. That's what we have now, right? 240. No, 280, 280. 280. 280. Yeah, that makes sense. 140, 280. Um, But we have 280 characters. I mean just start a thread like if you can't finish your thought and like by fully spelling out like ptsd or anxiety or whatever it is just start a thread like i'd rather read two tweets and have it have you have the right phrase and terms used than just 
like using the incorrect words just because it fits in Twitter into a tweet. Yeah, just like end the just stigma. Start a thread. Yeah, just it's it's a hashtag. Like end the stigma, and that's part of it. Is yeah. like you know, it's okay to not be okay. Be and okay. That's been the whole thing. This entire Sarah storyline that I've been like, dude. It's okay that she's not okay. It's just that I need somebody to recognize that. And I hope that in, I mean, obviously we'll see the aftermath, but I kind of hope that's where they're going with this. Like, I hope there is at some point a discussion that like, literally says that, you know, it's okay that you're not okay, but you should have said, so. like, somebody should have said something, someone should have noticed it, whatever it ends up being, but like, that needs to be actually said in order for me to feel like this storyline was a success. Yeah, and, you know, I, yeah, like, when you're not okay, you're not going to speak up about it. That's for sure. And so there's no way Sarah was going to come to somebody and be like, listen, I'm in trouble, I need help. Or she wasn't going too off the bat. If you remember in season one of Fire, when Severide needed help, it took him a long time before he could come to Dawson and be like, this is the case, I need help. It took him, like, half a season. Exactly. half a season. So I just... I would I I think the whole thing about me for me with Dr. Charles here was that Dr. Charles is trained in this stuff. He's a psychiatrist, yeah. you know, like this is the stuff he's trained in. So why didn't he notice this beforehand? Yeah, that's my biggest thing is just he is trained in this stuff. Like I I don't get it. I I don't know. But maybe it's because he views her as a daughter. I mean, we could speculate until the end of the day, but She's not crazy. You know, mental illness does not make you crazy. It does not make you weak. It, It's just part of life. So, you know, end the stigma, support each other, everything. Love one another. Love one another. Be kind. Just, yeah. And I mean, if you've never struggled with mental illness, that's awesome. You're really fortunate, but use this storyline with Sarah to educate yourself that others are struggling. Nope. That's my rant. Yeah. So that's everything for the Sarah Choi stuff. Yeah. And we lived in Choi with Sarah just because, you know, he just had the patient who caught himself and it was like quick. And it's like, I mean, and it's a kind of what triggered Sarah's episode. Yeah. And, like, what triggered her using um, the pepper spray. spray, So, yeah. Yeah. And I completely understand that. I mean, anxiety makes you think that you're under attack, like, constantly. It just it heightens your senses. So you always feel like the worst thing in the world is going to happen. So I can completely understand why she pepper sprayed him. Not saying that it was right, but. Yeah. You know. For sure. So. Now that we've discussed Sarah, so we're going to jump into Connor and Robin. And this was the other pretty substantial storyline of the night. So Will has his little kiss with Natalie. They talk basketball and Will goes into the doctor's lounge and he and Dr. Rhodes have a little bro moment. It's so cute. Oh my God. I needed this. I didn't know how much I needed this, but I needed this. Yeah, yeah. And Will's like, so how's Robin doing? And Connor's like, oh, she's great. Thanks. Like, total bro moment they're totally bonding and it's fantastic but of course it's cut short because connor gets a text and just bolts so he runs into his family's department store we see him walk in and it's dolan Rhodes, which is the department store his family owns 
and Robin is being detained for walking out with a scarf. Robin, Dear Lord. Of all of the department stores in Chicago. Right. Like, did she think the roads on the door was just a coincidence? Right. It's not like you said Smith. Like, there's probably only one Rhodes family in Chicago, and it's this one. Like, you couldn't have stolen from Sears? Yeah. Just, or not, yeah. Of all of the department stores. I really forgot about this whole, like, I really forgot pretty much everything regarding Connor's family up until this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I forgot. That was, there's some. There's some real shit there. There is some real shit there. So they detain Robin. She's crying because she knows she's not herself. And, you know, Connor comforts her or whatever. They're walking out and Papa Rhodes shows up. Papa Rhodes, is, it's like literally the last thing this whole situation needs. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, he's literally the last thing. Like I can think of so many other things that this whole Robin situation could use before I could get to Papa Rhodes. Like, a meteor could strike. That would probably be healthier than dealing with Papa Rhodes. Like... Probably. Yeah, just... Oh, it's so bad. And so... Uh, Papa Rhodes. By the way, don't forget that his first name is Cornelius. If you want to be, like, a child for a second, that's funny. Like... Yeah. I don't yeah, know why. And that I, just makes me laugh. I don't know. I just... I forgot. I just... When it comes to Papa Rhodes, like, I can't not... I love the actor that plays him, D.W. Moffat, and I just, I can't see him as Papa Rose because I see him as, like, all these other characters that I loved, um, and so, like, I just, like, it's hard for me to, like, get past it, but that's my own, just, like, my own thing, it's just because I love D.W. Moffat, and I loved, I loved him as John Kinnish on Switch at Birth. Ashley, wasn't he on Revenge? Was he? I want to say he was, but maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else. He, uh, he's been in other he stuff was. that I've seen, too, and I can't remember. He's been in, like, everything. I'm going to look this up. D.W. Moffat. What has he not been in is probably a better way to go about this. Mm-hmm. But he was he was my personal favorite, John Kennish on Oh, Oh, well, he was in Friday Night Lights. Oh, hello, yes. It's also where I've seen him he he's was in, uh, i'm telling you he's been in everything he was uh jd mccoy's father he was an asshole on that Joe, show too, actually yeah what else is he i'm telling you he's been in like everything i know i'm like going through this yeah he was on how to get away with murder he was let's see I'm trying to think of other things i might have seen Yeah, but I mean, I definitely know him from Friday Night Lights. He was in one episode of Grey's, but that was probably like a patient. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a ton of stuff is the, the moral of the story. It is the moral of the story. So, yeah, yeah it just it's always like a little hard for me. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, this is John Kenish. Like, <laughs> not this. Although John Kenish sometimes was an asshole, too, but not as bad. <laughs> so, basically, Papa Rhodes says all of these horrible things that just he just says a bunch of horrible things so he calls robin unstable unhinged and then just blatantly suggests getting rid of her like she's bad produce in the fridge like are you fucking kidding me horrible and of course robin just happens to be standing there at the right time and she hears it all 
But Connor, during all of this, gives zero fucks and he plays the mom card, which is like when this when all of this goes down, I'm like, wait a second. I like Brenna forgot about all of this and need to hear more. Yeah. Because he's like, you're nobody to be talking about this after mom and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, she died 20 years ago. He's like, yeah, and it took you a week to get over it. Yep. We need more of Connor's backstory. Yeah, because this is like Connor at his best is where, you know, we find out about his backstory and how he became the Connor that he is. Oh, man. Crazy. So Connor takes Robin home and she is just a crying, self-loathing mess. Oh, my God. My heart broke for her in this episode. She says so many things just showing how, like, heartbroken she is. So, so yeah, she's like she basically mentions to him that, you know, he always saves his patients, but he doesn't view her as a patient. And he tells her she loves Yeah, he tells her he loves her. And she responds with she goes, you know, I wouldn't love me. I'd get rid of me, which is kind of echoing off of what Papa Rhodes said. And every time I say Papa Rhodes, I worry that I'm going to say Papa Roach. And, like, you guys have no idea what that is. Never mind. Oh. No. Never mind. Millennial Gap shows itself again. So, <laughs> yeah. And so Robin's like, I wouldn't love me. I'd get rid of me. And Connor basically promises to make sure that her illness is addressed correctly. And then he returns to the hospital. So she just stole a bunch of stuff from his family's department store she's saying some really heartbreaking concerning things and you're gonna leave her home and go back to work like at least take her with you yeah mistake number one connor mistake number one take her with you she can hang in the lounge or like chill in her dad's office i don't know just i mean but she also she probably wants to be home where she's comfortable that's true. Like, she probably doesn't want to be stuck in a hospital. Also true. Yeah. Very good point. I just, I don't know. Every time she's been alone this season, it's made me worry about her more. Because, yeah. like, she's doing things out of character and just, you know, crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, he promises that, you know, they're going to address it properly and he returns to the hospital. So he flips the fuck out on Sarah for the second time. Um, you know, all about Robin and he's just being such a jerk and he's like, how about a little follow up on your patients? And, you know, he suggests getting a doctor with more experience and mm. Sarah's very composed in her response, but good God, do I wish she would have stood up to him. And I understand that, like, you know, she can't, she's a relatively young doctor. I get it, but oh man, I've experienced this in my career with people, you know, being like, maybe we should get someone more experienced and mm, it's like. It doesn't feel very good. And it makes you no. very, very mad. Yeah. It's just like, I want to say all the things and all the curse words, but I can't. So I just got to, you know, take it. But yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's a double standard when you're a woman because you got to be all happy and go lucky and nice about it when you really just want to be like, mm-hmm. screw you, dude. Just. Mm. So I'm really hoping that he's either going to apologize to her in a subsequent episode or the next time he does this, she's going to shut him down. Yeah, he's probably not going to apologize, but. But it's not in Connor's nature. to Like, he doesn't mean it. It's just. I don't know. I I think had. I mean, we're going to talk about how this ended, but I think had it been resulted in a different ending, he might have apologized. But especially not because how it ended. Like, he's not going to apologize. No, and I mean, I he, he was just, like, very... 
he was really worked up because of the whole Robin issue. So, I mean, Ro- Connor's not like, he's not an asshole at the heart of it all. That's not his nature. But this is not the first time that he's gone off on Sarah and it's probably not helping her anxiety if she's also doubting herself on top of being afraid of the patients. I don't know. I just want to see him get shut down for that if he does it again. Not saying that he's being like, not saying that, you know, he's a bad person for it. He's not. He just needs to know that like, hey, stop. Yeah. So I don't know. And so, yeah, he tells Sarah that she's coming in for a full workup the next day and then he storms off. So later on in the episode, Dr. Charles goes up to Connor, talks to him and he's like, wait, so I heard Robin got arrested for shoplifting and apparently this has been going on for a while. Shut the front door. Hold the phone. Like, you are her father and you're just now catching on to this? You're also a psychologist. Yeah, like, you're a psychiatrist. What the hell? Yeah, who can't... Yeah, psychiatrist. Who cannot see that... Dr. Charles just made me do want to do, like, 10 million eye rolls just, like, in a row this entire episode. Yeah, I just... How does he not notice these things that are, like, right under his nose? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And so Dr. Charles is about to suggest something to Connor, but Connor has to go. He gets paged, which is probably for the best because I feel like that was going to be like unsolicited advice and it was probably just going to make the situation worse. Yep. And so Connor's like, hey, Robin and I are fine. I'm going to see her through this. And just part like throughout this episode, I just was feeling like this was such a change of tune for Connor because in the past five, six episodes, how many we've had leading up to this is just, it kind of seemed like it was a pain for him to balance taking care of Robin and being a surgeon. Yeah, but this time he really, I mean, he's always cared, but he really seemed committed to, like, finding a way to make it work. Yeah, so, like, maybe it's not a change of tune after all, but it just kind of felt that way, like, Yeah, no, it definitely felt that way. I feel like a lot of this was motivated by his father and him just wanting to be like, screw you, dude. I'm doing the opposite of what you're saying. He just wanted to like, be like, yeah, fuck you. Like, middle fingers and all, but he can't Oh, dude, I'd want to do the same thing if Cornelius was my father. (laughs) Side note, it also makes me think every time you say Cornelius, I can't help but get a laugh because the president, well, former president of my university who was there my entire tenure... Um, his name was Cornelius, Cornelius Kerwin. <laughs> That's a great name. It's but. just so old timey. And so I just like, I can't help but Every time you say Cornelius, I picture President Kerwin and just like that. I think about all the things that happened while I was in school and just like all these things. But yeah. Oh, man. Just... Cornelius Kerwin, even better than Rhodes. Yeah. Cornelius Kerwin. So, Ashley, you've been having issues with your internet tonight. So, you know, I see that you're, yes. you're, yeah, I see you're good so far. So what was your, what were your thoughts up till this point? Like about, like, what did you think of how Connor was acting this episode? I didn't like it. Like, he was being weird. You thought he was being weird? Yeah. Yeah, he was just, you know, this is like worked up gung-ho on finding an answer connor but just when that happens he tends to just kind of like plow through everything it's kind of like how burgess attacks things you know when burgess just goes full burgess like yeah yeah i don't know but mm. so 
Dr. Charles later on goes to see Robin and Robin's just crying and she feels terrible and like her scenes in this episode she says a lot of concerning things like a lot and like we touched on you know I know we touched on a little bit of mental illness earlier with Sarah but we're just gonna circle back around to it now because we just are so sorry not sorry and she says some like really concerning things so you know she cries to her father she's like I feel like I'm never going to get past this I feel like I'm drowning I want to feel like a person again without you know I don't want to like bring the mood down or anything but when, like at the peak of my depression when I hit that these are all things that I felt and said was that you know I felt like I was never gonna get past it felt like I was drowning just wanted to feel like a person like I feel her like I know what she's saying I know what she how like I know how broken she feels at this point so like she just broke my heart this episode yeah and, yeah just yeah and so like when she says you know I, I'd want to get rid of me I'm like oh girl like just wanted to hug her and yeah so basically this goes down and Dr. Charles is like okay well you want to feel like a person again like how can we make that happen and so Bryna what were your thoughts at this point I I mean just because I've been speculating it on it for a while I thought she was gonna leave um I didn't know how it was gonna happen I didn't think it was gonna happen in the way that it did happen um but that's kind of what I thought like that's what I kind of figured was coming yeah just ugh. so the way it happened though was like god I know again. I know I know so Connor gets home later and the house is quiet and there's a note on the table oh so we cut to the airport Dr. Charles is dropping her off and she's just saying, you know, I need to do what's best for me. I need to get well. I need to recover. And Dr. Charles is like, okay, well, just remember to say hello to your mom for me. And Robin leaves. And so she goes home to, I guess, be with her mom, wherever that may be, and get better. And just, oh, it breaks my heart because, like, I hate that Connor feels so hurt by it. But I also understand that, you know, she didn't feel like she was going to get well if she stayed in Chicago. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Because, I mean, at this point now, she associates Chicago with her illness and her tumor and her just not feeling like herself. But I will say, at least on Connor's behalf, at least he got a fucking note. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay didn't even leave Jay with a note, so. I know. Just, yeah. and They both got ghosted, but. Connor got a note. Is it ghosting if you leave a note? Um, I mean, I get, I don't know. What is the problem? I don't know. My guess would be, my vote would be yes, just because you still don't answer after that. Like, yeah. you're not, you don't answer after that. So that's my vote. But I don't know if that's true or not. I understand this one more than... Oh, I understand this one completely. Because, I mean, Connor did love her. Absolutely, he loved her. But he kind of got in the way of her recovery. Yeah. Not intentionally. I mean, he wanted what was best for her, but... She needed to be in a place that's better for her and where she can be, like, her and her recovery and her just getting back to feeling like she's 100% can be the sole focus. And whether that is just in a different city or whether that needed to be in some kind of, like, treatment facility or place, I don't know. But 
it, she needed to be away from Chicago and from Chicago Med and just, even if it's just for the negative connotations that those places now hold. Right. Right. And I mean, yeah, no, like, I'm, and I'm trying, I had a thought and it just like escaped me. But yeah, because when she was in Chicago, yeah, I mean, it, it does hold bad memories for her now. But also she was always worried about being enough for Connor with these side effects of her illness. And that's not, that's nothing that Connor put on her. Connor had nothing, you know, it's just pressure that she felt from within. I'm not saying that, you know, they had an unhealthy relationship. They didn't. They had a great relationship, but Connor was kind of a distraction for her. Yeah. And she needed, she needs to be somewhere where, you know, she could 110% solely focus on herself. So Ashley's internet has now crashed. So Bryna and I are going to move forward without her, unfortunately. Uh, curse you, weather and internet problems. I know. So, if only we were all in the same place. Yeah. One uh, day. One day. We'd all be together to record at least one episode. Right, right. Ugh. So the Dr. Charles and Connor thing, it, it ends with Dr. Charles and Connor. They meet up and Connor is pissed pissed also they just kind of meet on like the street did they just like run into each other or was connor like meet me here or like how did this happen yeah i yeah why the street i don't know it just it was random but anyway so connor goes off on dr charles and he's like this is exactly what you wanted you never liked our relationship you know hope you're happy now and dr charles is like well no like she just made this decision today i can't tell you where she is but she will text you when she lands and it just ends with Connor being like, I'm going to find her and I'm going to bring her back. Okay, Connor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Just... We'll go with that. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just maybe tap the brakes a little, but okay. Hmm. But yeah, that, that just, uh, like my heart breaks for Connor, but I also completely understand Robin and just, mm. yeah. But the ghosting just, ah. Uh... Yeah. I wonder how many of these writers have been ghosted themselves. Because this is a lot of ghosting in one Chicago world. Writers, do you need to talk? Like, do yeah. Brian and I need to come over and have some wine and, like, talk it out? Because like, we totally will. Oh, we absolutely will. <laughs> we love a good wine. We night. will bring the wine. We will bring the wine. We will bring some cheese. We will bring the whole shebang. Yep. Leggings, Netflix, and just have a good night and, like, cry it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is now ghosting on wait has anyone on fire been ghosted probably I'm thinking I'm trying to think probably I just can't think about it right now if not then they're probably coming soon it's probably coming soon um, if you can think of any times that a character on fire has been ghosted please let us know yeah yeah I'm thinking back and I just yeah oh god who did anybody just up and leave I'm sure somebody just up and left Right, it's been six, it's been like five and a half seasons now. Did Devin, Devin, did she ghost Shay? Is that ghosting though, or is that just like... Stealing her shit and running? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Damn, we gotta think about this. Also let us know, is Devin stealing Shay's shit, is that considered ghosting? What is the proper definition of ghosting? (laughs) So many questions. So many questions. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> anyway so Bryna please take us through Natalie and April yeah this one's a I, 
don't even know what to say about this one. Oh, but, my God. Uh, yes. we're gonna go th- yeah. So they treat an elderly woman who came in with a broken wrist. Um, and they're going to obviously fix it, whatever. They set it. The whole shebang. Um, but the woman's daughter accompanies her. And she keeps complaining of this pain on her right side. And at first she's like, no, no, no. Like, it's fine. Um, it's just some pain. Um, and Nana's like, oh, well, it could be appendicitis. And the woman's like, no, 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 like, it can't be appendicitis. Like, I had it removed when I was 14. Um, and so they leave. And then eventually they come back to check on her mom. And the pain's worse. And so finally, Natalie, they convince her to get some scans. And so the scan then does apparently reveal that she does indeed have her appendix. And that that is what's causing the problem. Like, she has appendicitis. Um, but the scan also shows that she has tubal ligation clips. What? Yeah. As in she's been sterilized so she can't have kids. Yeah, as in she's been sterilized so she can't have kids. And clearly Natalie's like, well, what the hell? Um, and I mean, obviously, like, yeah, she's just like, what the hell? Um, so Natalie's about to tell Nancy, which is the mother, the elderly woman, and Oh, no, no, no. Nancy is the... That makes more sense. Nancy is the daughter, the one with the appendicitis. Natalie's about to tell her. Nancy starts throwing up. Her appendix popped, and so she goes to surgery. Um, so Natalie and April decide they're going to ask the mother about it. Um, an appendectomy is what you called it, is kind of what they say. Um, but the mother is, goes on to talk about how Nancy was a wild teenager, and so she did a bunch of stupid shit. And the judge in their county, because they're originally from North Carolina, the judge in their county gave the mother an ultimatum, either sterilize her or she goes to jail. What in the world? Like, could you imagine? I, no. And I basically might as well have grown up in North Carolina and I can't imagine. That's it. Jeff, if you're listening, I have a question. Was this based on a real case? Like, does this actually happen? And if so, like, there's got to be some kind of literature out there on this that I would love to read because I'm just so fascinated and confused and a bunch of other things. So, Jeff, if you're listening, can you tweet us and tell us, like, A, if this is based on a real case? And if so, what is the name of it? Because I need to do some research. By fascinated, do you mean horrified? Yes, fascinated. Well, I'm also just fascinated in the fact that, like, the judge, like, legally, the judge could say, like, this is your choice to, like, either be sterilized or go to jail. Oh, that part makes me sick. Well, it makes me sick, but I'm also just fascinated in the fact that, like, the legal process, like, had say over that. So it makes me horrified as, like, a person with just, like, a good person with, like, moral ethics. But, like, it also is just, like, the legal part is fascinating. Um but yeah, it's horrifying. It's it's a bunch of different things. Um, like even just thinking about like what if that were me and thinking of my parents making such a huge decision for me before I could even speak up about it. Like, oh, that just like shakes me to my core. Like, mm. yeah. And also just going back on that. um, it also just kind of makes me think because the woman, so Nancy, she's not that old. So it's not like this is the mother talking and being like, oh, it happened to me when I was a kid. Nancy's probably what, like 
40, 45, maybe. I think I would peg her to be older because she said that this happened when she was 14, right? And Nat right. read up on the law and Nat said that it was legal up until 1973. Okay. So, so I would. She is older, she's like 50s, but she's yeah. not like 60. No, so but like, she's not far from it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, Jeff, if you're listening, let's chat. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Um, but anyway, back to the story. So, Apple. I was just about to combine names there. April, April and Natalie, jeez, they're like doing some hardcore judging, but they don't, you know, they don't say anything. Um, and the mother insists, like, don't tell Nancy, like, don't tell Nancy. So Natalie and Will meet up, and Natalie's doing research, and Gina put that line, so I don't have to. Yes, Gina, thank you. Um, so, apparently, up until 1973, a parent could have their child sterilized without the child's knowledge and consent. Um, and Will's like, how do you break that news to someone? Um, and Natalie's like, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Which um, is funny, given that whole episode earlier in the season where they were like, mm, sorry your kid died, but can we have his heart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, then Will had... They have this adorable moment, and Will squeeze. Just, it's just a squeeze of the hand. Like he just kind of squeezes your hands. Like I'm here for you if you really need me. Like it's gonna be okay. And then he walks off, and it's just like, oh, so cute. Um. So Natalie and April talk about what they're gonna do. April kind of argues against telling the woman. Um, and bomb. Yeah, and Natalie's like, we have to tell her. We're legally bound. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Natalie made a joke that they're legally bound <laughs> to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, literally has never stopped her before. Literally has never stopped anyone in all of Gaffney Chicago Medical from doing that. Because laws are not laws. They are guidelines. Suggestions. They're yeah. suggestions. Um, but anyway, so this whole storyline wraps up with Nancy and her mother talking and Natalie April have this talk about forgiveness and yeah. Yeah, real talk because, I mean, yeah, they talk about forgiveness and Natalie's like, well, you might be surprised, like as in, you know, Nancy might forgive her mother. I just, but like, say this for you, were you forgive, would you forgive your parents? Ooh. You can totally flip the question back on me because I know that was deep. Yeah, would you? I don't think I would. I don't think I would. But given yeah. where I am in life now, I say that if I were in my 20s, I don't know how I would. Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't know. It's also really hard for me, like, as Bryna, you know, li- having lived the life that I live, just because my dad is a doctor. And so for me, I'm like, oh, well, that would, could never happen because my dad, like, from a medical standpoint, is like, uh, no, like, that would never happen. Um, so for me, just personally, but, like, I don't know. I think, I don't know. It just I don't know. I'd like, because I can, you know, like, I can see where the mother was coming from because it's like, no, like, obviously, it was the law, like, you either did this or you're going to jail, but it's, like, I did this because this was the best option. You weren't going to go to jail. Like, hopefully, it was going to turn you on the right path. Like, 
you know, it was done out of love. I mean, also the law, but also love. That is true. And they they were too poor to, you know, move or see a doctor or do anything. But, oh, man, just, whew. But it's hard. It's a sticky situation. This is, like, one of the bigger doozy-type cases that we've seen on med. Yeah. And it was, like, it flew under the radar, too. Right. And, like, medically, it's not that complicated. Like, appendectomy, easy. Um, tubes being t- or sterilized, like, like, nothing about it medically is complicated. It's just, like, ethically. And, like, we don't get a whole lot of ethic. Well, we do, but, like, not just straight up case-wise, like, ethically. Yeah. Like, where the ethics are the problem. Just, wow. And just that, that April and Nat were even talking about forgiveness. I was like, it is too soon for that discussion. Like... Nancy needs to feel some feels right now and then process it later. Just, oh, like it struck a nerve with me and I just, I don't know why. Ooh, ooh, I'd be just, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. So, ooh, shake that out. Um, <laughs> the last bit we're going to talk about is the storyline with Maggie and Goodwin. So, and this was a quick, short, little, short and sweet. So, Basically, Maggie laments to Goodwin about them being short-staffed, and Goodwin's suggestion is overtime because it comes out of another account, which is kind of counterproductive. Yeah, but, yeah. Whatever. So, Barry brings in a homeless patient, and Maggie is like, okay, listen, like, you've got to stop doing this. The next time you pick up a heart attack with a fat wallet, you need to bring it to us because... All of the other hospitals are within equal distance, and there's no reason why you shouldn't be bringing them here. So Maggie goes to Goodwin with an idea, and we get the pizza room. Best idea ever. Pretty much, yeah. They roll in this, like, gigantic flat-screen TV. Like, gigantic. Like, living room goals. And they rig it up so that, I guess, it's somewhere where the paramedics can come and chill and, like, play games and watch TV and eat pizza and, like... Yeah. Like, why couldn't Connor have brought Robin to med? She could have at least hung out in there. Right. For real. Best idea, but... Because pizza is the best thing ever, and it would certainly calm me down, because it is my favorite food in this entire world, but yeah. Pizza's wonderful. I mean, I'm from an Italian family, of course, so my the motto in my house, my dad's always like, yeah, pizza has medicinal properties. And I'm like, yeah, I'll agree with that. Like, I'm not even from an Italian family, and I agree with that. Right, right. So, yeah. And so, I mean, that about wraps up the episode. Were there any? Oh, well, Noah came back, but I don't think too much happened there. There was just a quick little, like, he returned to the hospital and Maggie just made a little, like, pretend spiel and everybody applauded. Oh, and then Sarah was like, are you sure you should be back at work? You don't look that good. And he was like, thanks, but you look good. Their flirting is so cute. It is so cute. And we totally saw that you were at her apartment, Noah. Like, totally mm-hmm. jotted that down. I could ship it if they gave us more. Yeah. Once Sarah gets over her, or gets the help that she needs, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think that about covers everything. Bryna, did you have yeah. any general thoughts or anything else about the episode? No, I mean, it was good. I don't, it's not my favorite, but it was good. A lot, lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff. Lots of yelling. That was, I had to watch it late because um, I wasn't home on Tuesday. 
And Gina and Ashley texted me and they're like, yeah, just be prepared for all the yelling. Yeah, for real. For real. I feel like this wasn't a it wasn't a filler episode, but it was kind of an episode to like link. It was just kind of it, it's a transition episode. It's transition out of storylines. Yeah, yeah. New ones. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. It was just wow. Just so much to talk. Yeah. About. And like I said, it it's good. It's not my favorite, but it was good. It was very good. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's about all we've got. Um, as always, you know, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's all across the board. Send us an email, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Don't forget about the one Chicago. Wait, sorry. OC uh, Chicago Heroes event. I'm sorry. I just I know I want to call it one Chicago. It's it's because it's OCE and I'm like, oh, it's one Chicago. No, it's Chicago Heroes event by OCE Productions. Bingo. What Brian has said. So. If you haven't heard the latest news, they have announced Nick Gelfus as a guest. Oh, my Hallelujah. God. We've Hallelujah. We've only been talking about this in our texts for, like, months and how we wanted a Halstead Brothers op, and they gave it to us. They gave it to us. I've already purchased mine. Brenna, have you purchased yours? Not yet. That's this weekend. Oh, my God. Just so excited to hang out with Nick and see him, and I feel like if we get to interview him, he we will just have a blast because he seems really fun. Um, but yeah, don't forget that the purchase deadline for that has been extended to February 12th. So, you know, mark that down in your calendars. We will be there. We will be podcasting, taking pictures, just going nuts and having a blast. Um, yeah. But yeah. also just a reminder, if you are listening and you ha- are going to this event and you have happened to have purchased a ticket to lot- the Lottie's party or a group photo, those are due still at the end of January, your final payments for those. Those yes, have yes. not been extended. No, so just throwing that out there. Those have not been extended. But okay. everything else in terms of like purchasing ops, those have been extended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you miss that January 31st deadline, your ticket will be null and void. So don't miss that deadline because we want to hang out with you in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you want more information there, you can always go to oceproductions.com. And yeah, you can also follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. And Ashley, who is not with us because of her internet sad face, Ashley is at Ashnick095, and it's Nick and I see there is no K. So we will see you guys on Monday for Chicago Fire. Or if you watch all three shows, flip over to our episode about PD, which also comes out on Friday. And we will see you then. Bye-bye.